This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's Paul Sokolis. With special guests, Wes Buck and Mike Carpenter from Drag Illustrated. Here we go. Welcome to another installment in the On All Cylinders podcast series. I am your host for today, Paul Sokolis. And yeah, we've got not one, but two special guests on the episode today. Joining me is Wes Buck, founder and editorial director of Drag Illustrated, and Mike Carpenter, chief operating officer of Drag Illustrated. And we're going to be talking about a lot, um, specifically uh, Drag Illustrated's 30 Under 30 program. Um, but before we get too far ahead of ourselves, um, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having us, man. We appreciate it. I love doing this stuff. So, yeah, we're, we're excited to be here. Okay, so we'll get to some of the bigger reasons why we're having this interview today. But uh, let's start easy. Let's have some fun. Um, tell us how you guys both got into the gearhead world. Like, what made you interested in, in drag racing and motorsports? Um, well, I'll, I'll go first, but you'll find there's some significant similarities uh, between Mike and I's story. But it really just starts with like a lifetime spent at the racetrack. Both of us uh, come from racing families. My dad raced. Mike's dad raced. Uh, uh, at a much higher level than my dad raced, uh, no offense, pops. But uh, nonetheless, we both grew up at the drag strip. Uh, I like to tell people that I was in my mother's womb a week before I was born at the racetrack. And it's really been my home away from home for as long as I can remember. You know, as far as like mechanics and, you know, gearhead type of interest goes, I'm the the son of a mechanic. So my dad runs an auto repair shop in Northeast Missouri, still does to this day, about 40 years strong. And that was just where I spent my my days after school and every weekend or, or after the shop closed, we were working on race cars, getting ready to go racing over the weekend. So that was just kind of all I really knew. And as I got older and older, it became more and more of a, a obsession, I think might be the way to describe it. I mean, passion, hobby, those are like probably fair play, but it was really something I was pretty obsessed with. I went out of my way to attend as many races as possible. I raced myself as much as I could at the level that I could afford to race. And it's really just, um, I tell people all the time that I, I love the sport of drag racing uh, as much as I love anything short of my family. And it's just, uh, it's an incredible community of people. And we've we've kind of uh, been in it ever since, man, Mike. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I could just repeat a lot of those same things, but just swap in uh, North Carolina for Missouri and and it would be a perfect fit but yeah i grew up at the racetrack you know similar to wes's story my dad loves to joke that uh he had a race in bristol tennessee the weekend i was born i was born on a thursday he stayed there at the hospital long enough to to see me make my debut make sure everything was okay and he kissed uh, my mom said i'm going to the racetrack so racing has been part of our family for a long time my dad also owns a, an auto repair just like wes is huge into door slammer door car racing Wes's dad, pro stock, my dad, pro mod. Yeah, just grew up around it. Um, my dad actually tried to keep me away from it for a while. He wanted me to go get an education, go to college, see other aspects of life. But then I came quickly back to racing and and uh, actually was his crew chief and and by his side for over 20 years racing high-level pro mod. So uh, been around it and back to as far as education and college, that kind of leads into our next deal where I went to to college and got a, a degree in graphic design and always wanted to marry the two. I, I wanted to marry graphic design and drag racing and uh, just kind of started down that path on my own. 
And literally, I think about a less than a year after I graduated college and was sort of still going racing with my dad and setting down this path, I meet this guy, Wes, randomly at a race in San Antonio in 2007. And uh, I'll let him jump back in here and, and tell the rest of that story. Well, my, my story is a touch different. I went to college too, but I stayed there for about two weeks <laughs> and punted on that idea. And uh, no shame to those seeking further education. I'm a big uh, personal development guy and I'm a, I'm a big uh, reader. So I'm, I'm all about education, but I think we all get it in our own ways. Um, but yeah, I went to, to college for a couple of weeks and dabbled in all sorts of different little entrepreneurial uh, ideas that kind of fizzled out quickly before we arrived at uh, launching Drag Illustrated, which is a whole other story. But yeah, that's and it's kind of the magic of some of this is we have found people that while extremely talented and like massively qualified for what they do, they also have a passion for drag racing. And I really think that that's the magic is that. There, there's graphic designers everywhere, but there may only be this one right here, Mike Carpenter, that loves drag racing the way that I do, but is also like a super high level uh, artist. So anyways, yeah, we were at uh, the IHRA, what, Spring Nationals, I think is what it was back in the spring of 2007. And this is actually a hilarious story. I was, we were, we'd been in business. We kicked the doors open on Drag Illustrated in October of 2005. We put our first issue out in March of 06 took us a while to to raise the money and and everything that needed to happen to put that first issue out but anyways we were a few issues into the process when i when i saw in the tower of san antonio raceway this white computer and i know that sounds like kind of hilarious but i i fancied myself like dangerously i knew enough to be dangerous about technology and computers but i was in the tower and i see this like really fancy computer setup it's like a brand new macbook pro and there's like a mouse pad sitting there and a a mouse on it and it's just you could tell that whomever was sitting here was more serious about this stuff than anybody else in the tower so i literally sat there and waited until someone came back to said macbook pro and I said, hey, man, you you look serious about this stuff. Uh, you you want to help me with this magazine I'm trying to get going? And it happened to be Mike Carpenter who had his brand new MacBook Pro there. And that was literally, you know, it's funny because I've got the same story about one of our first photographers. I mean, he had a really nice camera and I'm like, this guy surely is qualified. So I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> so anyways, Mike and I, we I quickly realized it's Mike Carpenter and for those that don't know or aren't, you know, ingrained in this, uh, the son of Charles Carpenter, often referred to as the godfather of Pro Modified, we instant, instantly bond over this lifetime spent at the racetrack. Wes has got a golf cart. Yes. And I've rented a $400 for the weekend golf cart. Yeah. And this is kind of a rare thing. And he's like, dude, I got a golf cart, man. Let's let's ride around. Let's go here. I, got, I need to see this guy. I need to see this guy. Next thing I know, I'm like six hours in riding around the golf cart with Wes and he's telling me. Man, we're I just got this magazine going. We just we've done a couple of issues. I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And this could be this is gonna be the next big thing. We're gonna change drag racing, we're gonna change drag racing media. I've got all these ideas of how to do it, and I I, I want you on board with this. And you know, me, I'm I'm much more Wes and I are like yin and yang. He's all in diving in head first, and I'm much more methodical and and I'm like I, I got to think about this. Let me think about it. Negative Nancy. That's what he is. No, <laughs> Let me get joking. back to you. But his passion and enthusiasm had me sold from day one. Like I had never met a guy like this that 
was so positive and had had confidence in what he was doing. He didn't really necessarily have a reason to be so confident at that point, but he was. And so it's kind of like this against all odds. I'm going to make it happen. And and I believe in myself and I believe in you. And that's something that I think Wes, that's like his secret skill is the confidence and belief that he puts in other people that gives them the ability to reach their potential. We've seen it over and over. Wes likes to say that people walk into his life, you know, that, that that's a, a it's a God thing. And, and, and I believe that it is and, and it works that way. But in the, in the other direction, Wes attracts people with his positivity and his belief in you that you can do the things that you that you want to do for yourself and that he, you know, we can work together and we can get there. So that's really my first impression of him. And it's honestly, literally since that day, it's like a blur. And if you know, Wes, this guy is busy 24 seven. And if you're in his environment or atmosphere, yeah, orbit, (laughs) you're going to be busy also. So I literally, my main concern when I first started doing freelance graphic design in the drag racing industry, which my professors laughed at me. And I kind of thought to myself like this, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Literally since that day that I met him and rode around his golf cart, it feels sometimes like I haven't had a second to breathe because we've been so busy doing all the things that Wes was telling me he was going to do on that golf cart in 2007 when we were 23, 24 years old. It's crazy. So you had this vision for a publication that would ultimately become Drag Illustrated. Can you kind of uh, elaborate on on the mission statement behind it or or what uh, the genesis of the idea was? Yes, absolutely, Paul. The, the mission at Drag Illustrated has and always will be to grow and build the sport of drag racing by celebrating the men and women who do it every weekend, who spend their nights and weekends at the track. That was something that I, my the original kind of belief uh, or thought process was that I looked around drag racing and to this day, it still exists to some extent, but I I liken it to a a high school hallway where there's all these cliques that have developed and it's, it's not a bad thing, right? It it could be uh, construed as a bad thing. It's not right. I mean, we all kind of migrate to people that share our, our thoughts and beliefs and common interests typically bring people together Uh, But I looked at the sport back in those early 2000s, and it was, I always, uh, one of the go-to analogies I use is imagine stick and ball sports without Sports Illustrated, where, you know, let's talk football. The Chiefs have their own magazine. The Cowboys have their own magazine. The Panthers have their own magazine. As you can imagine, it would all be very biased. It would all be slanted towards their individual goals. We only lost because they cheated, you know, that type of thing. And drag racing was much the same. NHRA has national dragsters still to this day, a real icon in our sport. The IHRA had drag review magazine. NMCA had fastest streetcar magazine. NMRA had uh, race pages and the list goes on. I mean, the Canadian door slammer scene had RPM. I mean, there was all these titles that represented small pockets of our industry, but there wasn't like an overarching an all-encompassing title that wasn't because it, it wasn't just about being able to cover everything. It was about having that editorial freedom where we had no other purpose to serve. There was no politics at play. There was no um, uh, bought and sold editorial messages. We really wanted to just go wherever the story was. If ten uh, five tire racing in the Southeast United States was what was hot. And what people were talking about, by God, that's what we were going to cover. We weren't just going to force our narrative or force our priority on the masses. And honestly, I think the belief was solid. I think people really 
drag racing is kind of a, a whole group of outsiders, right? And outlaws and and bad boys, let's say. And it's like, I think everybody kind of appreciated that independence that we demonstrated on day one. Like we were going to say what we think, we were going to stand behind what we said, right? Because we we're going to put it in print and mail it to tens of thousands of people, which uh, still to this day, I think is something that's lost on folks. You know, the significance of the written word, the printed word, uh, the permanence of it still today. But nonetheless, yeah, that was really the genesis of it was to grow and build the sport uh, by celebrating the the people who spend their weekends at the racetrack. And that's another thing worth mentioning is it was more than covering all the sport. It was focusing like a laser beam on the people. One of the things that you'll notice if you've ever looked at a copy of Drag Illustrated is 99 times out of 100, you pick up a copy of DI and you're going to be looking at a human being. Uh, another analogy that I like to use is if you pick up Rolling Stone, it's not guitars and drum sets on the cover, right? It's the people who play them. And that was something that I looked around our industry and there was tons of these racers that I was a huge fan of, but I couldn't point them out of a crowd, right? I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know what they sounded like. I didn't know like their cadence or their accent or I didn't know anything about them. And our goal early on was to put faces to the names on the windows, right? Because there's cars, especially in like the door slammer scene or some of the grassroots parts of drag racing. These guys were like heroes uh, around the country. Most people knew nothing about them, had never seen a photo of them. They knew their car, right? Could tell you every detail of their car, what tire was on it, what wheels were on the front of it, what injector had it had on it, but they had no idea uh, what the person that drove it looked like. So that's been something near and dear our hearts since day one was to really celebrate the characters. Uh, we're a human interest um, outlet, you know, as instead of we're not, you're not going to pick up Drag Illustrated and read, you know, dozens and dozens of car features or hard hitting technical information. We're here to explore the sport and explore the people that uh, comprise it. And it's honestly, it's worked really well because everybody's got a story and that's what people gravitate towards. That's one of the things that I think our sport has really struggled with is the storytelling component. You know, mechanical objects, I mean, we literally cannot relate to them, right? It's a machine. Uh, we can talk about it. We can daydream about it, wish for them. But it's the stories these people have that many times are like regular guys, or maybe they grew up in an auto repair shop just like me. Uh, so that's really been the goal since day one was to tell the inspiring, uh, interesting, sometimes funny, uh, sometimes uh, triumphant stories of the incredible people that make up the sport of drag racing. And telling that story in print, that was a challenge as well. And uh, Wes wrote most of the stories early on, but any writers that we hired or anyone that we brought on, we sort of imparted that, you know, we're not telling this story like a typical car magazine. We want you to dive into this person, try to convey their personality and the way they behave and their their essence in print, which was, we, and we still do that, but now we've evolved and do that in the digital space, do that with video, social media. I remember uh, some of the first interviews that I did uh, for the magazine. It was so funny because it was such a different conversation because most of the guys that I was calling, like we had to, I always say, like, if you want to go to the big dance, you need a big dance partner. And when we were kind of kicking this thing off, I recognized that while the path of least resistance would be to do stories on all the racers I personally knew, I knew we needed to go after some of the upper echelon, some guys that had some following so that we could garner the interest of the masses. And so the people that I was reaching out to, most of them had done interviews before, but the questions they were getting were like, how much horsepower does your car make? Or how big is the engine? Or what's the wheelbase? Or how much does your car weigh? Or what gear ratio? And I was asking him, hey, man, uh, what do you typically wear to work? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Because I wanted to write a story that's like, you know, Stevie Fast Jackson puts one of his red wing work boots into the cab of his Mac tools truck and turns on Merle Haggard. I wanted to tell the story of what these people are like. And it was so funny because I would have to typically preface my conversations with racers. Hey, I'm going to ask you some questions that are a little out there, you know, and probably things that you've never been asked before, but it's a really, really, really important part of the story because that's how you take people there, right? Is with those seemingly minute details, but they it's those details that paint a vivid picture. So it's been a labor of love. I, I say this on our podcast uh, all the time that I I've been blessed. I feel like I'm a worldly guy. I've gotten to do a lot of traveling. I've met a ton of people. And I am just constantly reminded of how unique this community is, the drag racing community. And it's full of problem solvers, doers, dreamers. Uh, it's just an incredible community to be a part of. And I'm so glad, I feel blessed that we get to kind of be the mouthpiece uh, for this group of people. And we we operate everything we do as a business, uh, as a promotional entity, everything that we have our hands in, we weigh it against what's good for sport, the sport of drag racing. Is this going to help? Is this going to hinder? Uh, how can we be a beacon, you know, for, for this sport? So anyways, we're, uh, as you I'm sure can tell, Paul, we're, we're super passionate about drag racing, but we're also passionate about the project that is Drag Illustrated. Yeah, and, and that people aspect is really why I wanted to have both of you on, on the show today. Quick backstory, um, I went to the Performance Racing Industry Show, uh, the PRI show held in Indianapolis, Indiana last year. And as part of that show, Drag Illustrated did its uh, 30 Under 30 Awards presentation. In particular, Wes, uh, your introduction speech before the awards ceremony began really kind of resonated with me. So... Can you kind of tell us about uh, the 30 Under 30 Awards program, like what the idea behind it was and what it's intended to do? For sure. And thanks for coming. We're really proud. Uh, PRI, I'm a big fan. For those that don't know, the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show uh, every December in downtown Indianapolis. I think people in this day and age, especially like post-COVID, everybody maybe has a, a different perspective on major events like that and conventions and whatnot. But I point to that event as a catalyst for so many things that have happened in our sport. Uh, and, and I'm sure that can be, I don't follow other motorsports, admittedly. Uh, I mean, I've got a little bit of a laser focus on drag racing, but I can't count how many things, movements, I mean, going beyond parts and all that, which is what it's largely intended for. It's just a meeting of the minds. And that event that convention is near and dear our heart. It's been something that has been a priority at Drag Illustrated really since day one. I mean, I was spending money we didn't have to make sure that we had a booth at that show because I just felt like that's where the people, the power brokers, uh, if you will, of our sport, that's where they were and that's where we needed to be. And well, that's where the 30 and the 30 originated as well. It really it's, was. I mean, it actually tearing down it, our booth. Yeah, tearing down our booth and actually PJ Fouts, PJ North, uh, as you may know him, by his stage name, he was hanging out in our booth and he's, he's a creative guy. And he said, and he said, you know, what you guys should do, come up with some kind of thing for, to honor young people in drag racing and that are doing things that maybe aren't getting on the mainstream radar. And I think myself, Wes, Nate, I think we were all, we all kind of looked at him like, you know what? I think that that, that would be a great idea. So we kind of took that, fleshed it out and ran with it from there. And it's uh, the, the as you said, the speech uh, where I was going with that is thanks for coming, because Mike and I 
we've been doing the Drag Illustrated 30 under 30 year, uh, for, I think, eight years now, um, which yeah, we're since, extremely uh, proud December of. 2015. We took 2020 off yeah, due COVID. to COVID just, just because no one was racing and we felt like it wouldn't be a fair uh, gauge of what was going on in the industry that year. So we sort of did a, a look back the highlights of, of the 30 and 30 to that point. Uh, but yeah, we've done it every year since, de since December of 2015. But that deal has become a real happening, Paul, as you likely noticed. I mean, we started out in like the smallest little meeting room that they had at the, at the Indianapolis convention center. And now we are absolutely filling up the, the largest meeting space they have at the PRI show. And this year was a real crowning moment for us just to look out there, me personally standing up on that stage and seeing all these people that had gathered to celebrate the next generation of drag racers. And the belief on that is it's something that I remember growing up and feeling like an outsider. I, I, I remember going to high school and, you know, the football players, they had their click and they had their letter jackets. Right. I mean, and they they were rewarded. There was a, a validation process. There was a system in place to kind of reward these kids for the time they had put into their particular craft, their particular interest. And I joke, like even the band kids, my own son is a band kid and he gets his letter jacket this week. And I remember being, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old going, man, I guess there's not going to be a letter jacket for going racing with my pops every weekend of my life, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or having a hot rod or having anything. a hot rod and, and, or and car guys are no offense to, to any, any of the car guys, but it's, you're an outsider. I mean, uh, as a car person, especially, you know, then as a young person and even today, it's it's probably worse today than it was even in our generation, Wes, is that, you know, car people, it, you've got to you've got to sort of look outside the boundaries to find those people. Everyone gravitates towards the mainstream. Oh, I need to play football. I need to be in the honor society. I need to be I need to do band, whatever it is to find their group. And you sort of got to look out in the parking lot after hours to find your car, guys. A hundred percent. I mean, that's definitely where we were at, like uh, under a, a parking lot light at two in the morning. Right. So. But yeah, that was really the genesis, Paul, was to find a way to, and this sounds silly, but drag racing is a sport that will like chew you up and spit you out. It is extremely, I mean, the barrier to entry is relatively high. Uh, it's labor intensive. And no matter how good you are, you're going to lose way more than you win. I mean, the best drag racers in the world, for the most part, lose more than they win. It's a brutal sport. And to see these young folks choose that path the main driving force behind the 30 under 30 is to provide validation, make sure these kids, I mean, of course we want to celebrate them. Of course we want to put them on a pedestal and highlight their efforts. But as someone who has done that and, and in many ways continues to, I know how important that little bit of validation can be for someone, especially someone who's got options. And most young people today do. There's a lot of different things they can do. I mean, there's obviously all the organized sports, but there's also go, to the beer party instead, you know, go to the, the kegger out in a field somewhere or go whatever they're going to do. And, and no shame on any of those things. I attended a handful myself. But my point is that for these young people to choose the drag racing path, we have to cheer them on. We have to encourage them. We have to support that because it is going to be hard. I've never met a drag racer who told me about how easy it was. Not once. And it's knowing how difficult it is, knowing how uh, tumultuous their their path in drag racing will be, no matter how successful they are. I feel that the most important thing we can do really is to celebrate these kids, to provide some validation and let them know that, hey, we're paying attention. We're proud of you. We're watching. And that's really been, I think that it has had an impact in our industry because 
I'm quick to tell people that you can win all the races you want. But if I go on your social media and see, you know, a bunch of terrible stuff or poor language and, you know, hey, we're 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 outsiders. Like we've been saying, that's kind of like the buzzword of the show today. But, you know, I, I everybody's a little rough around the edges, but we we take that stuff into consideration. We there's been plenty of qualified drag racer who hasn't been put into the 30 under 30 because of how they behave themselves or the things they say publicly and the, the stuff they post on social. And I want to believe whether it's true or not, that that's had a positive impact. I think there are kids out there that, that think to themselves, Ugh, probably going to blow my chance of, of, of getting into the drag illustrated 30 under 30. If I say this publicly. And, and I think, you know what, a little accountability there's nothing wrong with that, right? So anyways, we're really proud of what the Drag Illustrated, uh, the DI30 under 30 represents. And, and above all that, really the, what's the word? It, it's such a diverse group of people because most of the time, the folks that are celebrated in our sport are drivers, uh, aspiring drivers or accomplished drivers. And one of the things that we are, are very sure of doing every time we start to select uh, our, our classmates or uh, the class of 30 under 30 kids is we try to find kids that are mechanics, that are aspiring engineers, that are crewmen, uh, media members, industry members, people that are making their impact away from the driver's seat, right? Because we we and relate to that. We well, do. You know, Wes and I, we're not behind the driver's seat. We've, we've sort of celebrated the people that are, and we, we noticed that a lot of these people don't get the recognition they deserve. Wes, you've said many times, finding good crew people, finding good help, at the drag strip is is probably the biggest challenge that a lot of these teams face from the pros on down. So right now today, it is without question the biggest issue facing yeah. like drag racing. And part of that is because if you want to be celebrated, if you want your ego stroked, you've got to get behind the wheel. And that's always been the way that it is. And we're trying to change that also and and honor the people that make all these other aspects go, uh, earn the sponsorship for these teams, turn in the wrenches, uh, writing the press releases, running the track on the on the uh, announcer, ordering uh, parts. I mean, yeah. we had a guy. I, I'm so proud of this, um, and I'm going to draw a blank on his name, and that's unfortunate. But uh, we we had a young man on the cover of the magazine this year that works at a transmission shop. It works Damon at Mark Cole. Mickey. Yeah, Damon Cole. Thank you, Damon Cole, a kid from Jefferson City, Missouri. And I've often thought to myself, I don't know that there is any other world where Damon Cole, who rebuilds Turbo 400 transmissions at a shop, you know, but in the Turbo Missouri, 400 transmission is in every so many of these cars. Now, car. And that's what where would we be without this guy that's turning these things around and getting them back to these racers so they can race. But this kid's on the cover of the magazine, right? I mean, he's he's on the, the same he's in the same spot that John Force has been and Don Garlitz has been and you know, all these huge names in our sport. Here's a guy that spends his time building transmissions. And it was just, for me, that is, that's the goal is to make all these, be inclusive, right? Be inclusive that you don't have to be, you know, a second or third generation gazillionaire uh, to get recognized. And I know that, you know, prior to Drag Illustrated, I mean, I know that's how I felt. I was like, oh man, I'm not in the, I'm not sponsored by one of the armed forces. Um, I'm not sponsored by a major oil brand. So there's no chance I'm ever going to get any love in any of these magazines. You know, today I'm genuinely proud of the fact that Drag Illustrated, and I think it's really why we're still here, 181 issues and nearly 20 years later, is that 
we focus entirely, we weigh it all against what's good for drag racing and, and doing the right thing, right? No bought and paid for uh, messaging. We're not letting our advertising clients dictate the direction of the magazine. And those are things that like hindered us really significantly early on because that's kind of was the publishing model was like, hey, I'll buy an ad if you write a story saying how great my product is, whether it is or not. And we have bucked that trend since day one. And I think that maintaining our integrity and having like a real trustworthy, meaningful relationship with our audience, uh, that's driven the bus since day one. Yeah. And I mean, back to the thing about uh, honoring people off the track, we look at it, it's easy to quantify wins, championships, uh, records, all that stuff. And everyone gets the accolades for that. But like, how do you quantify uh, how, you know, who's doing the most as far as PR for their team or uh, things like that? And I feel like the Drag Illustrated 30 under 30 awards may be one of the only, if not the only way that these people can quantify that what they're doing is as important as what the racers are doing on the track. So, we, we take it very seriously um, and we've built an entire system around it. Uh, we can get into some of the details of how the process works if you want to, um, as far as the nominations and, 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 you know, how we put this issue together. Yeah, yeah, totally. Let's let's go there. Um, so this is an awards program that you have to be nominated for, correct? Yes, that's correct. So we we have a Google form that we set up every year in the fall. And uh, each person can nominate up to three uh, deserving individuals. They just have to be under 30 uh, this year as of January 1st, 2023. So anyone that's involved in drag racing in any capacity is eligible as long as they meet that age requirement. Um, and so a lot of times once this form goes live, people will send it to their friends and family, send it around. We've seen social media campaigns. We've, we've seen a lot of involvement in the last couple of years trying to uh, garner nominations for this. We end up with several, now, uh, close to 10,000 nominations yeah. for this deal uh, to where it becomes quite a process that we have to start early on. We actually started on September 1st and it closes on September 29th as far as the nomination process. We do that that early in the year because it takes from there, September 29th to PRI, the first week of December to get this thing put together and we sort of start weeding down layer about by layer three, four rounds of cut downs yeah. that really and it's it's tough uh, and i know that this is something and, and that it's, and it's are not a popularity to. concept yeah i, was just I think that's one say. thing that we wanted to make it's not number of nominations you get we certainly take a look like if you're if, if you're someone that wasn't on our radar and you've gotten all these nominations we, we definitely are going to take a look and see what this story is about uh, but it's not a popularity contest. We dive into each of those nominations and the story that each person tells of the the nominee, it, whether they're deserving or not. And we sort of dial or drill in from there. It's more of our we we take the pulse of the industry, and then we apply our knowledge or opinion to it, and and we select who's the most deserving. So it really comes down to, I guess, somewhat our judgment. But again, we feel like. If we left it open to a popularity contest, it would just be whoever won the most races that year, whoever set the most has records, the biggest whoever following won the on most social money. media. Yeah, whoever right? has I mean, the biggest following on social—that's another big one, and that's that's, that's truly not, what, not what it is. No, and that's important that that distinction's made because there is a belief uh, that it's a popularity contest, and that yeah, like Mike's saying, those things certainly have influence on us. And it's like you know, if we see somebody or even somebody that's well known and they've got all sorts of nominations, we've got to consider it, right? We've got to look into it. Uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. But we also, I mean, the thing that uh, gets me typically is you'll have 10, you know, a thousand, uh, this is my son, he's a good kid uh, comments. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes we'll get 
thousand word essays from people, from spouses, from uh, brothers and sisters, from moms and dads, uh, from friends, family, uh, team members, explaining why they believe someone deserves the honor. And that stuff, to be honest, even all these years later, it still gets me in my feels every time we start that process and to see I mean, hey, I make my living writing, right? So I know what it takes to sit down and churn out a, a, a piece of writing like that. And to see these people do that, so so many of them, man, it's uh, it's about the most, uh, hell, it provides us a lot of validation. Uh, and it's a huge reward to see how much this uh, honor means to people. And, you know, kind of bookending the 30 under 30 thing, in our eighth year, I believe we had 29 of our 30 honorees travel to Indianapolis to be a part of that ceremony. And that is, I mean, we believe it to be one of the largest happenings at the PRI show. Um, that's what we've been told. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've seen that the fact that we've had to go, go to a bigger room each year. And this year we were, we were on the content creator stage or in the content creator room, which is a massive, you know, banquet hall area with, with lighting and video effects and everything. And it was, it was really an awesome experience this year. I mean, we looked out in the crowd. We saw John Force. We saw Ben uh, Cromwell, the president yeah. of the NHRA, Sam Corcus, the the producer of No Prep Kings and Street Outlaws. I mean, all these racers, Stevie Fast Jackson, Robert Height, Ron Caps, Antron Brown, Clay Milliken. I mean, it's like a who's who of the drag racing community. And I also am proud of the fact that we paint such a wide swath. It's not just NHRA guys. It's not just PDRA guys. It's all it's it's all pe people from all walks of the racing life and, and we've gotten some great support from huge companies in the industry like summit uh and and dozens of others that are all included in uh in the award ceremony on the jackets and and it's really cool you see so many photos after the event of of people wearing these jackets at the track and it's a it's a real badge of honor for them, and we love to see that, and we love the involvement from uh, our advertisers and the companies that are buying in and supporting this as well. And, and I'm glad you alluded to the the crowd at the awards ceremony because it really speaks to the prestige of the 30 under 30 program. I mean, as you were giving out the awards, I took a look over my shoulder, and standing six feet behind me is Greg Anderson. Right, Greg's son was one of our 30 under 30 nominees, very deserving. Cody Anderson, and great so, kid. And and that's another thing I wanted to touch on too. We consider we get a lot of nominations for for kids that are 18 years old, and then we get nominations for kids that are or not whether well, or not kids maybe at that point, but at 29 years old, and we have to consider that as well. And then it's also their future potential in the sport. Is it someone that we think if, if you're 18 years old and you get included in the 30 in the 30 under 30 is because we believe that you're going to be a part of the industry for the long term and you're invested in it. And we're going to see you when you're 30. We're going to see you when you're 40 and 50 still in the industry. And you're not someone that's just in and out going to pursue interests elsewhere. Um, we really value that because we make our living in the industry. We value companies that invest in the industry. We value people that invest in the industry as well. And so we're, we're big on people that plan to be a part of this for the long term and plan to make this their, their career and their life because that's what we've done. So we sort of look at it through that lens as well. I want to touch on something you had mentioned earlier because you alluded to how uh, many nominees make the trip to the PRI show in Indianapolis for the awards ceremony. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Last year, you had a nominee travel all the way in from Europe. Is that right? Yeah. yeah Ida, Ida. Ida Zetterstrom. Uh, she's a, a top fuel rising star in Europe. And yeah, she actually came over and she won. Uh, Lincoln Electric gave away a welder, and she is actually the one that won that in uh, in a hat draw that we did, which was pretty interesting because now it's like, all right, 
we got to find one that converts to uh, what 220 that they've got over there in <laughs> Europe and how we're going to ship it over there. Uh, so our, our long distance award goes to goes to her and uh, and and she ended up with a, a welder as well. So the Drag Illustrated 30 under 30 program is really open to anyone under 30 years old in the halo of drag racing. 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, and that again, it, it doesn't matter where you find your way into this sport. And, and that's like a big part of it is that we want this to be one of the I mean, I believe it to be one of the only places where our sports looked at in its entirety, not just a specific, you know, niche within a niche within a niche. Um, and yeah, it doesn't matter if you're from, you know, the Middle East or if you're from, you know, Missouri, you, whatever, if you're doing something significant, if you're making a difference in the sport of drag racing, we want to know about it and we want to do our best to to celebrate and reward you and validate those efforts, man. And but we, yeah, and we continue the, the, uh, the process continues really after the award ceremony, because now you're in this fraternity or you're in a 30 to 30 alumni. And we have a Facebook group where we keep in touch with these people. And we also, anytime a 30 to 30 person does something, it goes on our radar. We usually try to help prop them up, get that publicity out there. Uh, we've had so many 30 under 30 nominees go on to win races, championships. Uh, Spencer Hyde, uh, who was a recent 30 under 30 nominee, actually won the Drag Illustrated World Series of Pro Mod back in March. Uh, won $100,000 from the number 32 and and final qualifying spot. Uh, so we've we have so many people that it's been cool to see. We maybe were first to honor them. Maybe they were early in the industry at that point and they've gone on to become, you know, names like Justin Ashley, Troy Coughlin Jr., Austin Proc, Leah Pruitt, Alex Laughlin, Dallas Glenn, Camry Caruso, uh, Joey Gladstone. I mean, that's just to name a few. So it's it's been really rewarding to to have that ceremony, honor them, and then see what they go on and continue to do. Okay, so we've been talking about the 30 under 30 program, but uh, let's rack the focus out. What's next for Drag Illustrated? Got any new and exciting plans that that you can tell us about? For sure. Um, Well, first and foremost, uh, we're really what we kind of focused on really post COVID was kind of continuing. We focus a lot on consistency, right? Admittedly, uh, as Mike I identified early in the show, I'm I'm a wound up dude, and I I get fired up about stuff, and I get we going in tell, a million man. different directions. Yeah. And our goal really for like the last five years has been to just be consistent, focus on consistency. Uh, and that's we've really we're at a great place right now where the magazine is phenomenal. Uh, it, it is a relatively well oiled machine at this point. We've applied many of our kind of processes to our digital and social offerings. So we really just wanted to kind of continue to grow our footprint in the in the drag racing space as far as like a media. Uh, uh, and I don't know that we're necessarily just a news outlet. I don't think that that's the case at all. Um, but we're a media company. And so right now our focus is on just kind of continuing to kickstart conversation in this industry to push for change and to push for growth. We're, we're certainly a group of people that are not comfortable like sitting on our hands. We we want to be doing stuff. We want to see the sport moving forward. And I look around right now and I I truly believe we're walking around on fertile soil. Car culture is alive and well. Car culture related content, auto content is thriving on a multitude of different platforms. I mean, it's I can't get over how much racing and automotive content exists on YouTube alone, let alone, you know, the motor trends and discovery channels and all the other places that you can consume automotive content right now. So we're really just focused on 
uh, as far as like the magazine itself goes, just consistently telling the stories of racers, being uh, providing value to the industry, helping. We really look to be a, to provide value to race promoters, to race tracks, to help them get the message out, to help them shine a light on what they're doing at their race tracks. And we actually had a pretty significant milestone just earlier this week. We we broke five hundred thousand followers on Facebook. Uh, something we've actually, and I don't know if anybody, we're so proud of this. We've grown two hundred thousand followers since June of last year. That kind of growth inside of a year, I think, is unheard of um, and really speaks to what I believe is the movement is real. Like what is happening is real. Uh, there is a there is a new energy and a new passion that exists in drag racing right now. And we're just trying to harness and focus uh, that energy. We've obviously moved into the event space. We actually put on our first Drag Illustrated event in 2017 with the World Series of Pro Mod out at Denver, out in Denver, Colorado at Vandermeer Speedway. We held the event there for three years, 17, 18, and 19, with considerable success. We relocated that event um, and re actually rebranded it momentarily uh, to include some other categories in Orlando, Florida in 2020 and 21. Uh, we, we took 22 off mainly because of COVID and just like a really uncertain world. So we didn't, uh, we're a small business, right? So we we have limited resources, limited staff. So we didn't want to spend a bunch of time and energy on something uh, or money that ultimately got canceled or had some sort of restriction that would limit what we were able to do, excuse me. Uh, but we burst back onto the event scene in uh, March of 2023. And I think that that's where I've known this for a long time, getting people together, throwing a party, whether it's in our neighborhood at my house or if it's at the drag strip somewhere, that's something that I'm like really passionate about. I love, I mean, the 30 under 30 in Indy is a great example. I just love bringing people together, getting people together uh, and having a party. So anyways, uh, I think that that's probably going to be a big part of our future. The World Series of Pro Mod was a, a big success down at Bradenton Motorsports Park. We had uh, glorious weather, 61 Pro Mods on the property, the quickest uh, and tightest field in the history of Pro Modified Drag Racing. Uh, like Mike said, Spencer Hyde walked away with $100,000 on Sunday afternoon. And I think we really, our goal was to put on the biggest, richest Pro Mod Drag Race in the history of the known universe. And I think we have achieved that. And I, I think that there's more for us in the event space. I don't think there's a tremendous, I don't think we're out here trying to put on 20 of these things, but I do see some growth opportunity for us in the event space. We're also doing more and more in the video space, the podcasting space. That's something that is near and dear to our hearts. We also just uh, did our 300th episode of our podcast, uh, the West Buck Show that happens every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. And really just growing all of those platforms, growing all those individual properties is kind of what we're focused on right now. As far as what comes next, uh, more uh, more of what we've become known for. And we're really just looking for new ways to celebrate people. I mean, the 30 under 30 is one of many things that we do at Drag Illustrated. We, we also do uh, our Women of Power special issue, which is similar to the 30 under 30, but it's uh, entirely female racers and female industry members and just finding new ways to be a, a valuable utility to the sport of drag racing. Mike, do you think I covered it all? What else are we working on? Yeah, man. Talking about the other theme issues, we've got the sportsman issue that honors sportsman racing exclusively. Each of our theme issues honor a specific segment of, of drag racing that we believe isn't maybe not underserved, but doesn't when you, when you pile it all in together, 
you tend to just gravitate towards the same names or the or the biggest names. So you've kind of got to separate it out uh, and say, hey, check out how many young people are involved in drag racing. Let's shine a spotlight on them and look at how diverse drag racing is. Look at how many women are involved. And and that's a huge thing in, in drag racing, especially if you look around. Uh, we actually saw a stat recently that uh, stats showed that roughly 25% of the junior dragster contingent at that point was was female. Now it's over 50%. And so what kind of effect did that have on women being involved in racing and how that has grown? Our 30 under 30, uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I believe it was over half uh, of our 30 under 30 honorees this year were female. And so drag racing is a hugely diverse sport. We saw actually saw that in, in Las Vegas last year when Madison Payne uh, defeated Tony Stewart uh, in the final and top alcohol dragster, I believe it was less than a thousandth of a second and took her first win but where else will you see something like that one of the biggest legends in all of racing uh multi-time champion track owner series owner i mean you name it he's done it versus uh, a rookie you know i don't know exactly how old she is a young female racer that really only happens in drag racing so we try to spotlight things like that that yeah we're not proud enough of it i mean and that's i can't scream i mean i wish i could i would just start yelling and screaming about it because it is completely unique to the sport of drag racing i i think about the the drag strip is the ultimate level playing field I don't, again, I don't know that our sport's proud enough of that, a place where, you know, and as Mike and I both have daughters, and I think about that in every other thing that they're going to in, in, encounter in their life, um, and I don't know that my little girl will ever have anything to do with drag racing, but to know that there is a place where she can go and compete at a high level and be an equal, it, it warms my heart. You know, it makes me feel good about what this community and what this sport represents yeah, we're super proud of it. And and I think that's a fantastic sentiment to close on. Oh, almost forgot. Uh, before we wrap up, Mike, Wes, uh, where can folks go to learn more about Drag Illustrated and the 30 Under 30 program? You can follow along with everything we're doing uh, via dragillustrated.com. Of course, facebook.com slash dragillustrated. We're extremely active on social media. It's something that we're really proud of. So we try to be as many places as we can. Uh, Instagram, at uh, Drag Illustrated. Twitter, at Drag Illustrated. Um, and of course, uh, check out the Drag Illustrated YouTube channel. That's been one of our focuses here recently. And give us a like and a subscribe, man. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. We've been talking with Wes Buck and Mike Carpenter with Drag Illustrated and specifically the 30 Under 30 program that kind of shines a light on, on some of the young individuals making a difference in the sphere of drag racing. Thank you guys so much for your time and good luck to you. Thank you for having us, man. We love doing this. Anything we can do to, to talk about drag racing and spread the gospel, if you will, uh, we're happy to do. We appreciate you having us, Paul. Thank you. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.